loud. And there's construction sounds. You're starting up outside. Perfect. Oh, yeah, of course. I, uh, Perfect. That's <laughs> all right um i hate beginning things like this i've done a couple of these it's like you gotta like flip out a flip out of mode so uh yeah hi everybody <laughs> please do i'm that. here with my friend christian hernandez <laughs> please do that please please i'll blank out my screen if you do that just so I, <laughs> I'll have to. World-renowned author. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> but, yeah, I got to honor you, man. I'm working on my honor culture. No, no, I'm good. Hey, you could, you could flush that in the toilet. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, let's just go. Hey, everybody. Here with my friend uh, Christian Hernandez. Many of you at, uh, in our church know Christian. Well, he's come up and. Uh, taught, uh, led workshops, preached. Uh, I was at our conference a couple of years ago, our leader conference. Um, so I wanted to talk to Christian today. We're just going to jump right in to talk to, uh, to Christian about um, this unique moment that we're in right now. Uh, unique m moment, uh, not so much as it relates to the, uh, the pandemic, but unique moment as uh, it relates to the divisiveness happening in our world, the um, the conversation around race that has uh, reemerged um, again uh, globally, um, and um, and just all of these uh, these subjects that feel are really like difficult to wrestle with and make sense of. Whether we're talking about racial reconciliation, we're talking about white supremacy, uh, as we talk about division, as we talk about um, rights and justice. Um, I wanted to take time to to have some conversations for the sake of our community that we can continue to learn and grow and uh, into the fullness of the church. We can embody more of the kingdom that we can look more like Jesus. And so I wanted to talk to Christian, to you buddy today. <laughs> I'm acting like you're not here. I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Just let me know. <laughs> um, no, I wanted to talk to you um, and ask you some questions just around the subject of, um, the Holy Spirit, uh, about revival, about, um, we were just talking before we jumped on here about Pentecostalism um, and, um, and the, the, the subject of race. Um, there's a lot there. And uh, as we're coming off Pentecost Sunday, as um, you have been a, a guide for, for me personally and for our church in wrestling through what it means to lean into the prophetic um, what it means to to think about um, praying for revival, um, to be uh, dependent on the Holy Spirit in new ways. Um, just want to kind of open it up, like just like lean into uh, to to uh, to that intersection of uh, of God uh, leading us by His Spirit, empowering us by His Spirit, and this moment that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well. Uh... Bro, it's good to see you. I, I truly only agreed to be on this because I just wanted to see your face and uh, and interact with your face rather than uh, see your face on those amazing videos, which big up to the team at Sanctuary. Uh, you guys have been doing really beautiful work. It's been uplifting. Um, just, yeah, just to see how you guys are honoring God. And so uh, in this season... You just told me that I can't honor you. 
You just told me. And then you just just came back to me. I was going to leave with this whole Christian is this like world renowned author, unbelievable pastor. He was like, don't do any of that. And then you just came back at me. But you you see, but I'm glad you did that because notice the difference in the way we honored each other. I honored you and it was just drenched in reality. (laughs) You you tried to honor me and, and it was just dripping with sarcasm and weirdness and <laughs> stuff sarcasm. you know like it, it, just answer me this are your jeans ripped right now they're not they're, they're not ripped. ripped look at that look at that wow this pandemic has broke you bro it's, it's broke i'm not the same man i used to be you know, this, the <laughs> new normal for for andrew mook is jeans that have no ventilation i don't know <laughs> anyway we have digressed quite a bit um but this is why I agreed to do this because <laughs> you're fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean the the yesterday being Pentecost Sunday, I think has incredible. It presents incredible hope for all of us in the Christian community to cling to the roots of our faith, where our faith is founded in this supernatural. Uh, promise of Jesus that he would send the Holy Spirit and and that he would not only uh, dwell with us but he would dwell in us and from the very moment that happened uh, in Acts 2 till till now it ushered in a new epic for you for humanity um, where the walls the, the the divisions that once kind of kept us separate, all of that was broken. You know, if you look at Joel 2, it, it is an incredible promise when the spirit would come that slaves, uh, young, old, women, uh, people that were historically disenfranchised, marginalized, not empowered, uh, where the spirit would come and all of those things would be broken down. And so, uh, why I think we need to cling to the promise and the hope that's found in Pentecost Sunday. And that is, I, I truly believe a strong pneumatology can overcome uh, the, the strongest of divisions that we have in this world. And, and that's happened historically from the very beginning. And that happened most recently in with, you know, relatively within our, the last couple of generations when the Azusa Street Revival began um, and you look at the most unlikely characters to be leading this movement that has set the world just ablaze, um, I think it's just a beautiful picture of what's possible when we have a strong pneumatology uh, and we really lean into the fullness of the spirit. Yeah. Those reminders are so, so good of like what we have access to and what, what our history looks like. What, do you have a sense of what God's doing right now? Like what, what does a spirit empowered community look like in light of like this, this moment? Man, it, for me, there's just been a lot of kind of, revisions happening in my soul when I think of that question, because I grew up, uh, you know, why I'm, I'm, I'm Pentecostal uh, in my formation and why I still claim to that despite some very big flaws in the movement and some really unhelpful 
excesses that have happened, the essence of the movement is undeniable. It, it's beautiful. It's transformative. Um, and why I think this is um, the revisions that I've been going through is that when I grew up, being Pentecostal meant that you believed in the gifts of the spirit, that you weren't a cessationist, that you actively prayed for the sick and, and you believed that you heard from the spirit. The spirit was, uh, you can depend on him and he can guide you to do, uh, fulfill the mission of Jesus in supernaturally empowered ways. And I saw that. I, I, I mean, I saw the most amazing miracles happen right before my eyes as a, as a teenager when I first became a, a follower of Jesus up until the present, continue to see amazing miracles and, and just the voice of God, just demonstrating the reality of God. That's what Pentecostal had meant to me for most of my life. But when I go and look at, again, the promise of Joel 2, when we see historically what the Pentecostal movement has been able to do in its, when it's leaning into its full beauty as a movement, it has been one of the most empowering movements for women, for people of color. Um, it has been at the forefront of breaking down racial divide. Because again, in, in, when you have a strong pneumatology, the thinking for Pentecostals is we, have su we place such a high value on the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we, we are able to receive, in our purest sense, we're able to receive from God through anyone. And so you're, you, you're able to receive from God, even from someone that society would say you shouldn't receive from. Um, or, or you're able to sit and worship and cry out to God and believe uh, for God to do supernatural things with someone who doesn't look like you because you have a stronger bond because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's been a, uh, that's been a re like a deeper revision that I've been going through realizing that it's, it's, it has to be both. And it has to be the, the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We have to see evidences of his power, lean into those things, cultivate communities around that kind of dependence on the Holy Spirit. But if you only have that, and, but, and you don't have a community that the, those walls that have separated us are not broken down, then we're actually quenching the spirit. And so I, I used to think quenching the spirit was not praying as much, not being open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. But now I'm realizing we are guilty of quenching the spirit when we allow for communities to be formed with these divisions still in place when women are not empowered, when, um, when minorities uh, feel unwelcome, second-class citizens at best, because um, there's something about, and then, and then, I mean, you open up the floodgates, and so I'll, I'll stop talking in a second, but I think there's something fundamental about the Holy Spirit empowering disempowered people, that it's at the nature and at the core of what it means to be Pentecostal, and, um, and so, yeah, I think when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to fully form our communities, we should see more empowerment from people that have been traditionally disempowered. 
That's awesome. That that's a word. What what is the where where do churches you think get in trouble with with quenching the spirit in that way in the way that you just talked about it? Where, where are like the pitfalls? Yeah, I mean, I think like even when I think it might have been Alan Hirsch that framed it this way, where you, when we talk about being prophetic, where there's in the old in the old covenant, there's an understanding of being prophetic that is understood as God's heart for the poor. And then there is the, an understanding of being prophetic where you're really mindful and conscious of the mind of God, the heart of God. And so one is focused on toward injustice. The other one is focused toward intimacy. And I think a lot of times in spirit filled Pentecostal churches, we tend to uh, focus on the prophetic aspect that's geared toward intimacy with God. And so our worship is vibrant. There's an expectation to encounter God in the present, in the moment, not just, uh, you know, waiting till we see him in glory, so to speak. Um, And I think you can get wrapped up in that very strongly to the exclusion of what it means to be prophetic and leaning toward injustice and communicating God's heart toward the broken, the marginalized the poor. And so I think, I think that's where it can get tricky, you know, where churches can get stuck. Um, at least in my experience, many Pentecostal churches would get stuck just strictly talking about being intimate with Jesus and ignoring the plight of the poor. Um, but then, yeah, you, as you know, you can get stuck on the other end um, where uh, we talk about being prophetic and it's, it's to the exclusion of intimacy with God. It's, there isn't a cultivation of waiting on God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit being in operation um, in, in our communities, as Scripture would call us to. And, and, but we need, obviously, we need both. No one would argue with these things um, in, in their isolation, like as separate categories, but we need to find ways to hold them in tension because they both are utterly necessary to be spirit-filled Pentecostal uh, people that can break down these dividing walls. Right. Yeah. And I would say even like the idea that there is tension has always been a mystery to me. Like if I'm, if I'm getting the heart of, if I'm spending time, um, looking into the face of Jesus, being one with Jesus, learning from him through the word, through community, through just, you know, words spoken to me in in some mysterious way like that, that, that should be leading me into the heart of God. And we know the heart of God is for the harvest and the harvest is the broken and hurting and joining God and partnering with him and doing that work. So yeah, I, I, I love you to talk just a little bit more about that piece of, I think that there's sure this isn't representative of our whole community, but I think many in general right now are feeling that I've got to, I've got to respond this way. I should do this. I need to read. I need to move in these directions right now. Um, We got to act. We got to act. The number one question I would bet uh, emerging right now um, for, for many. And I think even across racial lines is all right. So what do we do now? Right. Right. And that answer looks different depending on where you're at in this, 
in this conversation, but what do we do now? What do we do now? So that idea of waiting, of being empowered by God, um, of not just, um, not just following what seem like good voices or good instincts, um, uh, but actually following the lead of the spirit. We had a prayer gathering just yesterday uh, and uh, that came up a bunch. It's like, what does it look like to actually be led not by the spirit of the age, even when the spirit right. of the age can sound a bit and have a whole lot of echoes to biblical justice. Yeah. Um, how do we actually follow God's lead in this? So can you speak to that? Cause I think especially, um, yeah, cause I don't think, and I think you'd probably agree. There's not a tension between intimacy with God and the, and the work of justice. I think N.T. Wright says, you know, the longer I wrestle with the gospel, the less and less I see some divide between, he's talking about evangelism, but like proclamation, declaration, and, you know, embodiment, demonstration of the spirit or demonstration of the kingdom. I think the same goes for empowerment. If I'm being led in an intimacy with Jesus, that should be propelling me out. Yeah. So I don't know, speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I think something you, you raise kind of, triggered a thought where you know I, I think and this sounds simplistic but we're we're so prone to rush we're so prone to live a hurried life as many have said and like pandemic aside uh civil unrest aside it's just our go-to where we're not contemplative we're we're too fast-paced we don't pray uh, enough before we make decisions, you know, like it's, um, and so I think that actually all gets exacerbated during moments like this, where it's just, we have to act, we have to act. And, and there's this pressure and I think it's a realistic pressure, but if our go-to is, isn't, we have to pray and we have to wait on God and he has to lead us. Um, before we act we want to act and we're going to act jesus is going to lead us but i think that's the key thing like making sure that in our responses we're not becoming untethered to the simplicity of did we pray about this do we have a sense of peace like all right this is super clear like take for example paul the spirit stopping him from going into parts of the world where he could have gone and done missionary work. Like the Holy Spirit actually stopped him from going into an area to preach the gospel. Like try to tell that to our kind of mindset and mission now, like that the spirit may stop you from doing something that's missionally clear. Like who, no one's going to argue with this. And so I think, yeah, the, and I'm reminded of this a lot. Like I'm very grateful. Uh, our, uh, our executive pastor, Denise, um, and her husband, he's on our leadership team, like some of the most prayerful people I know. And like, I'm, I'm of that cloth. Like let's pray before we act yet. There's sometimes where I'm trying to rush to act. And I get these reminders of like, Oh, this is great. Hey, why don't we circle back on this tomorrow? Let's just pray. Let's just pray tonight. And let's just wait. And it just, it's a subtle but powerful reminder of, yeah, we don't want to move ahead, you know, and because back to what you were saying, like about the tension, like the, when you were talking about why does the tension even exist? Like you would think to be intimate with God, 
would make you want to confront injustice. But I think it's, you know, it's very possible for our intimacy with God to become corrupted, you know, for it to be sullied. And I think of the passage where they went into the, the temple, I think it was, and they found like artifacts, like Goliath's shield and like different things that were in this sacred space where you're like, wait, this doesn't belong here yet. Uh, in this intimate sacred space, there had been a, an allowance for some corrupt things to grow or think of the temple when Jesus is flipping tables in the temple, all the kind of nonsense that was allowed to grow um, in a space that should have just been solely focused on intimacy with God. Um, and yeah, that's a perfect example of intimacy with God while ignoring injustice Um and because the intimacy was corrupted. So I think we have to really, in that prayerful space, just continuously allow the Holy Spirit to probe our hearts, to check us, to convict us, to to just bring things to surface, um, things that we're not aware of that would kind of potentially derail us from following his voice. That's so good. What, um, just to pivot for a second, um, what, what does this look like in your, in your church? Um, what does ministry mission, uh, look like? Like just share people with people a little bit about, about your community and what you're doing. Uh, I saw that you're, you're headed into Harlem. Is that tomorrow? Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn. Um, for, uh, what was it called? So we're doing a, a prayerful protest march. Um, we're going to be going down the route, passing the Barclays Center, which is pretty iconic strategic hub in Brooklyn. Um, and we're just going to, we're hoping to embody a different spirit of protest. Um, we're not going out there to, as our message is not going to be tainted with violence or anything of that nature, yet we're seeking to speak the truth in love and do what we as the church can do best, which is to call on God to pray. And so, yeah. Uh, I mean, to your question, I, I, f I feel like this season in many ways has made us lean into what it looks like to be truly spirit filled in a way that I, I'm not sure we were at in previous seasons of, of ministry in that, you know, like, like I shared, I, I grew up and, and was formed in a Pentecostal church. And really, I'm so grateful for that. I, I experienced amazing things. And the church I grew up in was very, in retrospect, didn't realize how rare it was in that it was not anti-intellectual. Um, we served communion every Sunday. The communion was actually the center of our worship uh, experience. We had a catechism for kids. Um, yet we prayed for the sick every Sunday. We, we gave prophetic words. We would do uh, three day, 24 hour fasting and prayer things, you know, throughout the year. We, we were a very, very prayerful church. Um, but I also saw in the broader movement of Pentecostalism, some excesses, some things that really just gave me a sour taste. I actually tried to become uh, functionally cessationist. I tried. 
um, because I just wanted to distance myself from some of the ugliness of it. Um, Let people know real quick, what's the cessationist? Okay, um, well, cessationist is the belief that the gifts of the spirit uh, ceased from being operational uh, after the, one of the main arguments, after the, the scriptures were fully completely written, New Testament canon, um, then at that point, there was no longer any need for the gifts of the spirit. We have all the wisdom we're ever going to need in the scriptures. And so essentially it's like the moment the last word was written in the last canonized book of, of the new Testament, the Holy spirit ceased to do those things. Um, and so, yeah, essentially just because I was sick of some of the excesses and some of the abuses that I saw in the movement, I just didn't want any, I didn't want to be connected to it. But at the end of the day, I couldn't deny the reality of the power of the Holy Spirit that I had seen throughout my Christian life when I came to Christ when I was 14 um, till now. And so I became lead pastor of Hope Astoria and we were trying to lean fully into those things. And I was still hesitant in some ways because I just was honestly just, I, I, I did not want to see some of those abuses come, some of those potential errors because I saw people get hurt over the years. Um, but finally, just something broke in me where I said, man, if, if I do, if I believe in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and if I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, then any kind of potential pastoral issues that come up with shepherding people through this are worth it. Um, if there's things I have to correct along the way and, and pastor and teach, yeah, that might be some extra work, but it's worth it because we need everything that Jesus promised that we would receive. And so we want those things. And so, Fast forward, and I, I think I've shared this with you. We began to share prophetic words up front on Sundays, every single Sunday. And, and then uh, we would evaluate and actually judge our, our prayer team leader. He's a scientist. And so he created a spreadsheet where he would actually track the, the people that would respond to these words on any given Sunday. And over the course of the year, he was like, we have an 82.25 response rate. Uh, when we share words, people come forward. And what was amazing was low key, um, we we saw like seven bona fide medically verified miracles happen um, in the course of that year. And tons of just, just moments of the reality of God being impressed on people's hearts through prophetic words and people that were far from Christ coming to faith because prophetic words revealed their heart and they're like wow god is real and so that was amazing and that that's been like over the last two years where we saw this kind of culture deepen in our church yet what i what was still lacking was being prophetic toward injustice and so by god's grace sent us this amazing leader donald cogdell and just one of the best leaders I know. Um, and he's a pillar in the African-American community in many ways. And, and this guy's a rare breed in that he prays for the sick, sees uh, just God do amazing miracles through him. And at the same token, he has the eloquence and theological precision to speak toward injustice. And he's helped our church form a theological framework around justice and, and, because, and through his leadership, and now we have a hope justice team, we've been able to actually 
that's that's become core to our church in this season where it's hard to remember when it wasn't that's how cemented it's become in our culture where um and so now in this season we're having conversations we're 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 participating in prayerful protests um things that if you would have asked me five years ago would they wouldn't have even been on my radar and it definitely would have been in the culture of our church for that to even be normal and accessible and so um uh, yeah so i know i started to talk about this from some starting place and here we are i'm not sure the path was long um so good but that's uh yeah, I, I guess that gives some context as to the church that we are and kind of our journey um, and and what we're trying to hold in tension, like we talked about before, those intimacy with God and speaking toward injustice as being fully prophetic. Inspiring, man. That's so much. Uh, I, 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 um, I love hearing other churches' stories and what they're wrestling with and um, – what God's laid on their heart to build and start and what leaders he's brought together. Cause it, it just sparks my imagination. Like it gets me thinking, Oh wow, look, we, we should be doing that. Or that sounds like that other thing we've been pressing into. And maybe we need to, that's confirmation or, Oh wow. That reveals a big gap that we have in our community that we need to take, pay attention to. So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, two things. Just you got a last word for on the subject in general, and then two, just wanted to ask: Would you just pray and just would you bless our our church? Man, um, well, I, I don't know if it's a last word per se, but I will say, since this is for your church, uh, your church that I love, I deeply love Sanctuary Church, and um, and the leaders that you get to roll with, uh, Sarah, Greg, Ricky. Uh, amazing amazing community uh your wife what a what a christ follower she is and um it it has given me great encouragement over the years to see the intentionality of your community to pursue the things of the spirit the way you have as well as to pursue what it means to be a justice-minded community and you guys haven't just talked about it you've leaned into it um, with with great intentionality and it's been beautiful to see and and so I want to encourage uh, members of your church that you're part of a great church continue to invest your life your energy your passion you're making a difference um, in both visible and invisible unseen ways like I can't imagine I can't imagine Rhode Island providence your your communities without your church um because you guys are a gospel witness in that area and and so yeah just want to encourage you uh and he didn't he did i'm not getting paid to say any of this and so i uh, and even if i was it'd still be true i love your pastor andrew mook is one of the most genuine true guys you'll ever meet and he's worth supporting and and I, I want to say, man, please pray for your pastors. Uh, I know firsthand this is a crazy season. We're exhausted. We're tired. Um, this is all so complex. None of us, no seminary class can prepare you for this kind of leadership moment. Um, and so, yeah, uh, please be kind 
to your pastors, we're trying our best. And even when we mess up, um, be gracious to us, help us get better. And so with that, uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love you, man. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't have ripped jeans today. Cause I wouldn't have said any of those nice things <laughs> if, if you had <laughs> just message, just messing. I love you. I, I'm just jealous. Ultimately I can't wear the things you wear, um, for, uh, yeah. Physical reasons that we won't get. <laughs> so. Oh man. Well, let's pray. Before I say anything that discredits <laughs> everything else I've said. Um, Lord Jesus, we are desperately in need of the living water that you promised would be ours. Lord, and, and you see how thirsty we are. Lord, I pray that you would deeply satisfy the thirst in our hearts and you would help us to not find uh, the satisfaction that we long for and other things that will ultimately leave us dry and thirstier. But God, would we drink deeply from the waters of your spirit and Lord, as we drink deeply, would you break in us any walls that continue to exist in our own souls? Lord, we need to be changed deeply within. We need the very structures that we see in our society. We need them to be eradicated from our hearts first and foremost. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come. And as we pray that, we pray for the fullness of your gifts and your power and all the ways that you glorify Jesus. But we also pray that the fullness of the new humanity that you are trying to create a community where natural born enemies become family. God, that we become a signpost to our broken world of what's possible through the death, burial and resurrection of your son. Would you help us to become that kind of community, Jesus? So Lord, we pray, fill us with your spirit, Fill us with your spirit. I pray for Sanctuary Church. May they be continue to be a community where the reality of your presence is felt and seen and known and your heart for the poor, Lord, and your cry for toward injustice would be heard loudly through them. I pray for my friend. I thank you for Andrew, for his wife, his beautiful daughters, Lord. Pray a hedge of protection over him and Lord, and Sarah and Greg and Ricky and his wife, Father, I, I just pray your grace upon all of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bro, I love you so much. I love you too, man. I always feel so, <laughs> just so refreshed. Like you're just, I don't know. It's a, it's a serious gift to have someone like you in your life, in my life. I feel the same, bro. Uh, Thank and you. Just want to caress your face right now. You, did, <laughs> you got a good HD camera, so I see. Like I see you. I it's see not. You. It's just my computer. <laughs> whatever you've done, the lighting, whatever pixie dust, something's happening. It's just you're a sight to see. You're you in like eyes. The, as they what's say. going on? What's 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 going on? Are you just in the corner of a room? 
Yeah, basically, my family doesn't let me leave this corner. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's, bro, recording, doing any calls has been a crazy experience because uh, we're right on a, on a street that's like near commercial stuff. And so trucks come, all this stuff. Um, and then my kids are in school during the day and so they're in their rooms um mm -hmm. so yeah this is the one little corner where i'm somewhat sheltered for a little bit um i've been doing like staff zoom meeting calls from my wife's minivan <laughs> i've done that actually once before oh, too. i just I like driving around with the phone I'm like i don't even care at this point i wish it was once andrew i wish it was <laughs> once. and so yeah uh that's that's where i'm at live from uh 